I'm Margie Haber, and welcome to my podcast, Slice of Life. Here you have an opportunity to be a fly on the wall in my studio, and you'll be able to listen to my students share their journeys as they discover their personal power. I'm also looking forward to interviewing many industry guests who will impart their wisdom. So let's jump in and live the life. Oh my God, I'm so happy to see you, Nico Austin Smith. Hello, hello. And I just, and congratulations on your marriage. Yes, I am a wife. I'm a wifey. <laughs> a wife. You're so young to look like a wife. You don't, we look like a, you know, like 12 or 14. 12. <laughs> <laughs> We've missed you in class. It's been really very difficult not to see you. How long have you been gone? Like two months? Two months, yeah, two months. Yeah, a couple months. Because mm-hmm. why are you not in class? I've been filming season two of The Birch on Facebook Watch. Nice. So I'm series regular on that show right now. Um, and it comes out February 2021. How exciting. Wow. What is it about? Can you give us a little uh, hint about the show and you? Yeah, so it was... Um, a Crypt TV short that they turned to a series and it's about this birch tree monster who will kill people for you if you call upon her. Um, but if you do call upon her, it's going to be a whole ordeal to get her to stop killing. Um, so it's like the first horror thing I've ever been a part of. And wow. it's really exciting <laughs> to like be scared because the birch monster, like as we're filming, will crack jokes and then you have to like be scared of it. So it's been really fun. <laughs> it sounds like fun. In fact, I'm, I'm curious to know, Nico, uh, how are they doing this now? Uh, you've been in this business for a long time, even though you're very young. I th- actually, uh, you started very young, didn't you? Like you were 15 or 17 or? Yeah, 17-ish. Pretty young. <laughs> how, how, did you, how, how did you get started with this whole business? I... It was like a fluke thing. I, I got an agent when I didn't know anything. And I was just going out on auditions and self-tapes. And I was getting my BFA, but I literally had no idea about film. And then it just, I started taking classes and it just kind of flew off from there. And I booked wow. my breakout role, I guess you would call it that, Um my senior year of college and I had to leave college early. And since then it's just been amazing and so fulfilling. And I, I can't wait to see what's to come. What, what was your breakout role? It was on queen sugar. Ava queen Dunez. sugar, um, queen sugar. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. That's a, that was a, your big um, uh, series that you've been in for how long were you on it? Two seasons. Wow. Yeah. Can you remind us, tell us a little bit about, because we're going to get to what it's like to audition now. I want to talk about that as well. But can you tell us a little bit about the audition process for Queen Sugar and how that works? Because some of the people that may be listening may not know much about the audition process itself. And there may be people in Europe and internationally or whatever, and they don't know what happens in the world of LA and Hollywood and how you audition. So love to hear about that. Yeah. So I I did a self-tape for it. Um, and then a week later, I was told that I needed to be in New Orleans for my callback slash director session. And at the time wow. I was in South Carolina and they were like, good luck getting out there. 
So I, I, I had, I didn't have very much money in the bank, but I used the rest of it to buy my plane ticket out there. And then when I got there, I did the callback and they said that it was also going to be used for my test. And then after like the second I walked out of the audition room, they told me to wait around for an hour and then I got the call that I got it. And then I got my fitting. And then that was that. <laughs> wow. Well, you must have been nervous. I mean, that's your first big thing, right? Yeah. It was, I was really nervous because I, I met some of the actors um, that were on the show for the test and callback. They were there just in the room. And I wow. was like, already a huge fan of the show. And so I walked in, they're like, hello. And I was like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> I never met anyone you know, famous before. So it was really nerve wracking, but it was so much fun to just play. They're like, we're going to do some improv. So we just kind of played around and had a lot of fun. Yeah. People are so intimidated. I find that, um, I know, cause we've talked about this in class, uh, how important it is to go in there with one thing in mind. And that is to the joy of creation, you know? And I think one of the biggest problems that actors have is they want to book so much. And then the mm -hmm. pressure is so, did you experience that during, before you met me? <laughs> yeah, there was so much pressure. I was like, man, if I don't get this, I can't pay my bills. <laughs> like yeah. it was, um, reality it was check. Very, yeah. Very, very nerve wracking. Um, but I just went and I said, fuck it. If it's for me, can I say that? Can I say that word? Yes, you can. You did, and she <laughs> shall. <laughs> it's my favorite line. You getting it known? Margie Haber's known for "fuck it." That's what yes. we all all over the YouTube. You hear Margie Haber saying "fuck it." <laughs> what does "fuck it" mean to you when you say "fuck it"? It's just like just do it. Just don't even think about it. It, it just live it and have fun. It's fuck kind it. of what we talk about in class so much about the fact that. You have an option. If you have that, you have the choice. Do I want to go in and enjoy living the life, or do I want to get booked? Mm -hmm. And you all, you even though you're extremely talented and beautiful and everything, you can't get them all. In mm -hmm. fact, you get very few. So it's the pressure is so enormous that people put on themselves, that uh, agents put on themselves, that managers put on you to like say, you know. Uh, you have to book. Oh God, okay. I need this job. I don't get this job. My mom's not gonna love me. I don't get this job. I can't pay my bills. Mm -hmm. It's very, very hard. Such a tough way of living your life, and to be young and have that pressure. So I always feel, and I think we talk about this so much in class about what an opportunity is to live another person's life. Did it shift for you in class? Let's talk about because you've been with me. You're one of my favorite people. I say that to everybody, so I can't get in too much mm -hmm. trouble. But you know, you are. But what is it that uh, you've been with me for a while now. What is the difference for you since you've been with me for a couple of years, whatever? I feel more confident and I have so much fun creating because before I would get auditions and I would just be so nervous and I wouldn't know where to start. And I would have, I of course had my, my training from college, but it's nothing like what you teach. <laughs> so um, I, I just know, I just know how to live now. Mm how how to create out of space and out of love for myself and mm. I mean I don't know where I would be if I didn't take your class so I'm wow. so grateful I'm so grateful <laughs> so that Emmy that you're going to get 
if you're going to invite me up there and we're going oh, to say, <laughs> come on, Margie, you take this home with you. Yeah. I don't need it. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just find, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I find during COVID, which has been this major time, we have needed each other in a different way than mm-hmm. ever before. So I find that the class, I cry every time I, oh, I start class because I'm so excited to see everybody. And I know that's how you feel. And I know that's ironic that everyone's going to listen to this and say, oh, she doesn't need class. And yet we just worked together on a particular audition. We call it a slice of life. Mm-hmm. And the last thing you said was what? What did you say the last thing you said? I can't wait to create this. I can't wait. It's so, so fun. <laughs> yes. And then you said, I can't wait to get back in class. Yes. I can't wait to get back in class next week. Yeah. yeah but it's so interesting that people think that, oh, you know, I, I don't need class. I'm a working actor. I've got a series. I'm working. But it's it's not a class, I think, of um, competition. It's a class of joy, don't you think? for everyone mm-hmm. else. So let me ask you about, first of all, the difference now because of COVID and how I'd love to hear the process that you go through in auditioning because I now know most people audition with self-tapes and then afterwards mm-hmm. they do call back on Zoom. Is that how it worked for you? Yeah, I, it's what you teach a lot, you know, um, as, as long as, you know, you have a, decent background, your lighting's good and they can hear you. Other than that, you know, using whatever serves you instead of using like props mm-hmm. um, and living the life before the take. Cause you can always trim it down and living the life after. Um, but yeah, I, I, anything that you teach. <laughs> well, of course, but not everybody's in my class to tell everybody, um, but there is a difference between like this month we're working on self tapes, two, three times for the month. And then at the end, we're going to do Zoom. So what do you think is the difference between when you go in for, when you're self-taped, you're not there in the room. I mean, so what is the difference in the callback versus the self-tape experience? Tell us a little bit about what happens in the callback Zoom, because I don't know if people even understand that. Right. So um, they'll send you the Zoom link and then you'll log in about 15 minutes before your slot time. They'll usually tell you how early to log in. And then you're just in the waiting room and they click you on and you do it. They sometimes welcome you, but a lot of times you don't even see them. So um, that's what I've experienced is I didn't see the casting director or the producers. Their cameras are off. Um, The only person you'll see is the reader. Wow. Um, Yeah. And, but they could, if they chose to say to you, uh, the director could, could get on and say, click on and say, can you do something different? Have you had that experience? Yes. For for the Birch, I was able to see the director and, and the producers had their cameras on. That was nice. And they asked me, they gave me some notes and they asked me to do it a few times. Um, and it, it's great. I actually love having callbacks on Zoom because I love being able to use my space and my body. I feel more free because how the, the camera is and I can move the laptop around and it's, it feels more freeing uh, to be live with people on zoom. I, I exactly want to say the same thing. I think that people, however, 
don't realize you don't have to be stuck so close in a self tape. Mm -hmm. And uh, you still can have a little room. Everybody's kind of controlled by rules. And I think rules are important, but don't you think there's a little more that you can bend them a little bit Mm in self-taping? What do you think about the self-taping? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I, whenever I tape, I usually do a pretty wide frame because you can always, in post, you can always trim it down to what you would like. So if I, if I am doing a wide frame, I, it makes me live in my body more because if it's so close, like no one lives their life this close, (sighs) this in a little box. So yeah, nice. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I think having a, a wider frame definitely helps uh, to see your body more because that's what the character would be. That's what they would usually right. do a medium shot anyway. So yeah. I always say, Nico, that you have to do certain rules that are important when it comes to self-tape. Mm-hmm. The lighting has to be great. The sound has to be great. You know, your background can't be busy. You have to understand the eye line, all those things. But then what's happened to so many people is they're so technically driven because of that, that they're not really able to enjoy it. You know, that's just that to me is one thing. But the most important thing is creative. Now, if you don't have good lights and good sound, they're just going to pass you by. So you have to do that. But most people I speak to, they're very hung up on this have to be only head position see the head and I don't I just don't believe that's true and obviously you booked a a series a movie a series and a movie (laughs) and all that stuff right from from using what we talk about in class that let the creative stuff be more important than the technical stuff right Right. absolutely the the other thing I I think we've talked about a lot is uh doing an improv uh, beforehand or creating the slice beforehand the coming in Mm-hmm. Do you find that helpful? Absolutely. And and even before the Zoom world, I remember going in person and living the life in the car and living the life in the waiting room and experiencing the people there and how it can feed, you know, what I'm living. And so if you, it's really helpful to just do some improv, like right before your take, because it'll feed you. I think that's one of the things I've always wanted people to understand the difference between moment before, you know, how obsessed I am about not saying the moment before. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that? Has that shifted for you a lot? How has that shifted for yes. you? Yes. I remember I was taking a, a class somewhere and they were talking about um, like a, a flick or something that would feed you like right before. And it never really worked for me. I was like, I don't think this works. So yeah, the uh, creating slices that aren't there really helps and living the life whenever you can and stepping in and, and then of course stepping out so you can you know be yourself. But yeah, it's very helpful. Yeah, I love the, you know, as I've said in class and I did do this uh, digital um product that I talk a lot about. You see me actually little pieces of Margie doing videos. And one of the big Mm -hmm. things I talk about a lot is coming from someplace and not doing a start button. They call it, I call it a start button. I call it a start (laughs) button, the start button that, you know, that, uh, that gets in your way. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to ask you, um, well, I'm so, first of all, I'm so happy for you to be a creative working actress and during this difficult time, uh, how have you stayed healthy? You know, how have you stayed emotionally healthy during these past months and months and months? Yes, I have been doing a lot of meditation and working out and trying to eat like healthy, but also allowing myself to enjoy my food. Um, mm. so, and um, yeah, I, I was learning sign language. I learned a new skill. Good. So I, I know a little bit of sign language. So yeah, just, just staying busy and, and trying to teach myself new things creatively that maybe I wouldn't have had time to do before. Yeah, I think it's an interesting time because I feel for myself, I have been able to write uh, a book during this time, which mm-hmm. will come out eventually called Risk to be Seen, Become yes. the Lead in Your Own Life and You're in It. <laughs> uh, there have just been times of me realizing I have to shift the lens into being creative as much as I can, because that's what makes me happy. Yes. And people think, oh, if I don't, if I'm not on a series or I'm not booking, then I can't be happy. And that's so, such a bad way to live. Yeah. yeah I know you feel that way. Exactly. So I wanted to ask you, you know, that you're um, a woman of color. Uh, you are, um, grew up in the world of being black and how did it affect you uh, when you grew up as a, as a actress and, how do you, your experiences in such a difficult time? Because not only have we had coronavirus, we have Black Lives Matter. And right. I would love to hear your thoughts about your personal um, challenges and what you've gone through as a woman of color. Right. Um, so I, I grew up, you know, in a split home and we lived in a very white neighborhood in Houston, Texas. And we mm-hmm. always were looked at like we shouldn't be there. Um, but my, my family kind of kept me in the dark pretty much from, from that, which I appreciated because then I could enjoy my childhood without, you know, I was kind of oblivious to it all. And then once I got older, I realized I'm different and I'm being treated differently. And there are certain roles that people will never see me in because I am black and so I, I had to, especially in high school, you know, like doing Oklahoma and crazy oh. for you and stuff like that. I was like, well, of course I'm not going to be, you know, whatever. Oklahoma. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I definitely, you know, could have been, but um, it was just something I had to realize that, you know, North Carolina is not, uh, is not going to give that to me. So I had to get out and I'm in LA and things are changing and I, yeah. I with all of what's happening I you know I've been experiencing that I've been following you know police brutality for years and mm. it's it's kind of heartbreaking that now people are paying attention and that now like things are are starting to get done when in reality we've been fighting this fight for a very very long time so it's it's, it's, we are on a, a track and I think it's only going to get better. So, um, I, I appreciate all my friends who are being actively anti-racist and doing all of their research and all of that. But there's just a lot to 
be done. And I, I don't think there's ever going to be a politician that's going to save us, but there are definitely some politicians that are more on the track than others, you know, more progressive than others. So yeah, come November 3rd. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so for those who don't know, this is being um, taped before, just right before the election. Um, and it is quite a time for all of us to hope and pray to hope and pray that we bring empathy and kindness back into our world. Uh, because whether you, you, whoever, whatever belief you have, whether you're a Republican, Democrat, whatever, kindness and lack of bullying, this is, we've all been bullied. You're bullied as a, you know, bullied as a black person. I was bullied as a gay person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of us struggle with, having to find our personal power, which is what my book is about, isn't it? And we've done that in class for months now on finding what you, what's powerful about you and what's special about you and to remove the walls and to get out of your comfort zone. And I, and I think uh, I watched you for the many months I've been working with you during this COVID time with such joy because you have found such peace and uh, you found, I feel you found the stronger part of you, the more, the open part of you and uh, the vulnerable part of you. But also I look at you as a young person and I go, wow, I wish I had as much understanding of life when I was your age, because I think you're on the right direction. Mm. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so welcome back to class. Thank you for all that you do and for your positive slant on the world. And if there's one thing maybe you could leave our audience with that you could uh, share that may be something of hope, Mm -hmm. uh, something that you could share with them, that would be great. I would just say, do you, because nobody else can do you the way that you do. So just be happy and enjoy the people that are around you. And I enjoy you. Thank you so much, Nico. I appreciate it so much. I hope you all enjoyed the podcast as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. If you would like to explore more of my philosophy and the studio, please check out my website, margiehaber.com. Stay tuned for the next Slice of Life.